You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Last week's intro to the podcast was kind of heavy and it was kind of long. So I'm going to try to keep it light and try to keep it short this week. But first, uh, yeah, something heavy that I didn't get to last week is weighing on me and I want to talk about it. So forgive me. In Texas, we got a taste of our post row future. A woman, Lizelle Herrera, arrested after performing a self-induced abortion. Details are sketchy. They're sketchy still a couple of weeks later, but Herrera was charged with murder, taken to jail, and held on a $500,000 bond. The charges were dropped because she hadn't actually broken any laws. It was reported that the ER staff called the sheriff after Herrera showed up at the hospital and told them she had self-induced an abortion. The sheriff apparently arrested Herrera because he felt like it. Dr. Jen Gunter, author of The Vagina Bible, frequent guest on the Lovecast, wrote a long post out on Vagenda advising women in red states who might be self-inducing abortions more often these days, self-inducing with medications that are safe and legal in blue states, but only safe in red states, not legal. Dr. Gunter wrote a long post advising women that emergency room physicians can't tell the difference between a miscarriage and a self-induced abortion. So... There is no reason to tell an ER doctor or nurse that you are there in an emergency room because you self-induced an abortion. You can just tell them it was a miscarriage. Now, complications for medication abortions are rare, but they do happen. And women in Texas and other red states need to know, well, I guess they need to know that they can't trust their healthcare providers not to call the police on them. So don't disclose This is where we are, warning women to lie to doctors and nurses about why they're seeking emergency medical care. And Roe is still, at least in theory, the law of the land. Right now, an American woman has the same right, a constitutional right to an abortion, just as a gun nut has a constitutional right to a Glock. And yet, you can legally sell assault rifles out of the trunks of cars in red states, but you'll have to drive hundreds of miles to another state and wait two days to get an abortion And the friend who drove you to your appointment for an abortion can be sued by random strangers back home in Texas. I think Selena Meyer may have said it best. If men got pregnant, you could get an abortion at an ATM. Let's state the obvious. All right. I said I was going to keep it light this week and I've already failed. And I said I was going to keep it short compared to last week's intro and... The jury is still out on that, but I'm going to, I'm going to try so quickly. And there's no smooth way to make a transition to what I'm going to talk about next. This is nothing but awkward, but you know what I tell people to do about awkwardness, acknowledge it and power through it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm acknowledging it. Here I am now going to power through it. All right. So I want to awkwardly draw your attention to a movie I stumbled over on Netflix A lot of listeners watched and enjoyed my last recommendation, Young Royals, also on Netflix. And I've got a new one this week for anyone who needs a distraction from the distressing headlines. It's called Love and Leashes. It's a rom-com. It's a love story. It's a forbidden workplace romance. And it's about BDSM. And it's charming and sweet and surprisingly smart about how two people might get into a DS relationship It's also a good illustration of something I've been saying for years. There are two kinds of people in kinky relationships. There are the people who were tying themselves up when they were 13 years old and the people who fell in love with those people. There are people who come kinky and people who get kinky. In Love and Leashes, Yihu is a sub. He comes kinky. He's played by Korean pop star Lee Jun Young. And his character's co-worker, Ji Woo, played by singer and actress Soi Hyun, accidentally opens a package meant for him and discovers a collar and a leash also meant for him. My apologies for butchering the names of these actors and the characters they played. Anyway, this film, Love and Leashes, it's really good. It's really cute. It's a glimpse at some interesting aspects of Korean life. It's a Korean film, the workplace culture there, the role of sex hotels in the lives of young singles. And uh, yeah, the guy who plays the young male sub, he's really cute. 
His bark when he's a dog, a little shrill. But if you were disappointed by Fifty Shades of Grey and Bound, also on Netflix, if you wanted to see a romantic comedy starring kinky people that gets kink right, including taking it slow, reading about it, thinking about it, negotiating a scene in advance, checking in with a trusted friend about what you're doing and how you're feeling. And again, you need a break from world and national news. Love and Leashes on Netflix. Highly recommend it. All right, coming up on today's show, Anna Sale from Death, Sex, and Money is back to talk about a new special podcast that she's just made all about, well, she likes to say Death, Sex, and Money is about hard things. Her new podcast, also about hard things. Anna Sale joins us on the Magnum to talk about it. And of course, on the micro this week, tons of your cues, lots of my A's. But if you want more Savage Lovecast, more guests, more questions, and no ads, go to savage.love right now and become a Magnum sub. All right, let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old heteroflexible woman calling from the Pacific Northwest. I have a question for you about vibrators. So basically, the backstory is that um, I've never been able to orgasm during partnered sex without either masturbating or using a vibrator. And recently, I've been trying to accept that that reality about myself more and just be more open with partners about the fact that I want to use a vibrator during sex and that, that, that no one's ever made me orgasm and just sort of honest about, you know, how my body works and what I enjoy in that way. And I've found that a lot of men, I mainly date men, um, and I find that it seems like a lot of them are perfectly fine with this at first, but then when they come to sort of see that, you know, they're never going to make me orgasm and that I really will want to use a vibrator 90% of the time, or at least I will want to use it at some point most of the times we have sex, they start to make comments that make it clear that that's not like their top preference in a partner, you know, comments like, oh, well, it's fine, but, you know, I've everyone else I've dated, I've been able to make orgasm. So, you know, things like that. Or they'll say, like, they wish that they could make me orgasm kind of thing. So I'm wondering if you have any advice on how I can filter out partners to try to only date people who are maybe, you know, even into the fact that I want to use vibrators without broadcasting that on my dating app profiles and without rolling that out too soon. I feel like I've tried to do more work on accepting myself and I just want to try to find people who would be okay with this about me too and possibly even excited about it. So yeah, like when would you recommend discussing this with a partner? And I don't know if you have any tips for the types of things I could say to really make sure I'm only dating people who are on board with this. I'm trying to think of a way that you could make sure you're only dating people who are fine, dating men who are fine with you using a vibrator during sex, incorporating a vibrator during partnered sex, without putting that on your dating profile, without rolling that out at the very start of the relationship. And short of having the men that you're thinking about dating, the men who message you on dating apps that you want to meet up with, having them kidnapped and strapped to a chair and injected with truth serum and then interrogating them or having them interrogated about whether they'd be fine with this or not, and then releasing them back into the wild and going on a date with only the ones who are definitely going to be fine with it. I don't know how you do this without putting it on your dating apps, which would seem a little odd because I don't think this is something that you need to necessarily roll out on a dating app, but you're definitely going to have to put it out, you know, throw this down on the table right away when you first start having 
partnered sex with a new guy. You're just going to have to say, hey, this is how I have orgasms. This is how my body works. Uh, and this is a tool we're going to incorporate into partnered sex. And yeah, and you're just going to have to then weed out the guys who have a problem with that. They get to make you come when they use a vibrator. They are making you come with that vibrator. It always blows my mind when I meet people who think they didn't make somebody come if they used a vibrator during sex because, you know, it's a tool and it's not just them. And you don't look at somebody, as I like to say, who built a house and then they show you the hammer and you're like, well, I guess you didn't really build that house since you used a hammer. You didn't drive every nail into every two by four with your forehead. So you didn't build that house. No, it's like you used a hammer. You used appropriate tools, saws and hammers and whatever else to build that house. And that's how a guy who's with a woman who requires the intense focused sensations that a vibrator provides. Uh, that's how a guy has to regard those vibrators as tools that he is using to build that orgasm with and for her. <sighs> and of course, you know, his fingers, his tongue, his dick, all of that, his body, his brain, all of that, everything he brings to the table, his dirty talk, his smell, his pheromones, all of that helps arouse you and get you to the point where the vibrator can step in and get you to you to the point of orgasmic inevitability and get you off. But yeah, you're just going to have to be matter of fact about it. You have to put that on the table. And any guy who runs from you or begins to say that shitty thing, like all the other women I've ever been with have been able to come without a vibrator, guarantee, I guarantee you that some of the women that he's been with, if not most of the women that he's been with who could come without or just come from if what he means is PIV sex. We're faking it and weren't coming, but he thinks they were. That's why people shouldn't fake because then guys think they have, you know, awesome super sex powers and shit all over the next woman they encounter, the first woman they encounter who's honest with them about what they need during sex in order to get off, including shaming women who want to touch their own clits or have him touch their clits during PIV sex to get her off. A lot of guys will shame those women because every other girl they've ever been with could come just from getting fucked. Yeah, no. Power through those moments. Disabuse him of that notion. Yeah, no. This is what I need. And if you are going to have a meltdown about it or be insecure about it or make me feel bad about it, then we're not going to be able to date, much less fuck. All that said, I do think that maybe a guy is allowed to have a you know process with you in a non-shamey way, a little bit of a, not a sad about not being able to get you off with his own tongue. If that's something that he's enjoyed doing, you know, it's, I hear from people who enjoy performing cunnilingus that it's quite something. It's quite a sensation, quite a crazy feel to have your mouth on somebody's vulva and clit and for that person to have an orgasm as you work their clit with your tongue. Uh, and you know, maybe he's going to miss that. I was with a guy once for a while who couldn't come from getting head. I really like giving head and I didn't shame him for that. It was just a fact about him and I could roll with that. It just didn't work for him. He didn't like getting blowjobs. And I was like, all right, okay. I kind of missed that, but okay. Me saying, me being honest about how I felt that I kind of missed it wasn't meant to shame him. It was just, you know, I got to say that and grieve it and move the fuck on and then let him blow me, which I enjoyed very much. So if a guy just needs to articulate that and if a guy can articulate that, like, uh, sometimes I kind of miss being able to, you know, get my girlfriend off with just my tongue. So long as he can say that without then turning around or adding on or starting with every other girl I've ever been with, maybe you let him express that. Maybe you pat him on the head and grieve that briefly with him and then remind him that, yeah, that's not going to happen with you. And if he's choosing to be with you, that's the price of admission he's going to have to pay to be with you. <sighs> All this is a very long way of saying I don't have an answer for your question. Your question was literally how do I avoid dating any guys who are going to have a problem with this without telling guys up front that this is how my body works and what I need? And yeah, you're not going to be able to avoid that. The only way to avoid dating those guys is to tell a guy, every guy, you're going to date, going to fuck 
that this is how your body works. And then if he has a problem with it, tell him about it early. If he has a problem with it, don't date him. Hi, Dan and Nancy and the tech savvy at risk youth. I'm a 40 ish by male who is recently single and starting to date again. And to much to my surprise, I am finding out that I am a daddy and that a lot of younger men, almost even boys in like say their early 20s, are really interested in me in a daddy kind of dom-sub almost relationship period. And I'm just incredibly inexperienced in this and a little bewildered. When I was their age, I found older men just not interesting whatsoever, and I only wanted to date people my age, and that seemed to feel like kind of the norm. And now it's like those that are about half my age are really interested in me as a dad type who's kind of a dom sub, and they want me to talk dirty, and they want me to be dominant and and even little role play and some tying up and you know some spanking and choking and things and i am very intrigued and of course love the attention but i just feel so inexperienced and i don't really know how to really proceed or how to get better at it other than of course go through with some of these experiences because it's right now it's just all talk on the apps and things but i just wondered what kind of advice you had to somebody who's, I guess, a daddy, but is new to being a daddy? <laughs> and how do you kind of proceed from here in a, a way that's you know satisfying for both partners? There's lots of different kinds of daddies a gay guy can be. You can be a dom daddy, a leather daddy, a plain old daddy, a sub daddy, a sugar daddy. Sounds like the guys you're talking to, the particular genre of daddy they're interested in dom daddies bdsm daddies dirty filthy dominant suck my dick boy daddies that's not hard to be that's really an attitude you can read some erotica you can watch some pornography you can let the young men that you're talking to young men guys in their early 20s are not almost boys or close to boys or nearly boys, they are full-ass grown adult men and have been for years. Please don't round down guys in their early 20s who are attracted to you in your 40s to minor status. They're men, you're a man. The boy-daddy thing in gay culture isn't about parental relationships. It isn't a fetishization of incest. It's just sort of affectionate pet names that acknowledge an age and experience and eroticize an age and experience and power differential, like slaps a name on it so that you can approach it, acknowledge it, play with it, weaponize it erotically, not weaponize it for leverage in the relationship. And then when you're not having sex, it kind of recedes, somehow playing up a power differential that may be built in because of an age gap. Uh, during sex, during erotic play, then when you're not having sex, when you're not engaged in that erotic play, it becomes less pronounced because you exaggerate the power differential for boners when you choose, when you're not having boners, when you're not exaggerating the power differential, it can be easier paradoxically to see each other as equals. I don't want people out there listening, straight people out there listening to think gay men who throw boy or daddy around mean minor or mean parent. It doesn't mean that any more than when straight people call each other baby, they mean infants. All right. So just wanted to address really quickly the straight people who may be listening in now on this call. Uh, you should be a confident daddy and you should own your inexperience. You should tell any boy man, adult man, who's interested in getting together with you or playing with you that this is new and you're kind of growing into this role of dom daddy. So they shouldn't expect any expert knot tying, but it's pretty easy to follow someone's lead when it comes to the kind of dirty talk they like. You can also ask somebody to send you some of the porn that they've watched. And I'm sure a lot of these younger guys who are into daddies have been watching a lot of daddy porn and they probably have 
files saved with clips or links to their favorites that they could forward to you, which doesn't then require you to, you know, become an actor or memorize those lines. It just gives you a sense of flair, a flavor of what it is that they're interested in. And then look inside yourself. If you want to be a dom daddy or cultivate your dominant inner daddy self, you want to bring a daddy dom persona to the surface, what would that mean for you? How can you say those things or do those things in a way that feels authentic to you as a person and erotic for you in the moment? Because you're not an actor hitting marks. You're not going through the motions just to arouse your sex partner. You want this, if you're going to lean into it, to work for you. So you're going to have to find that Dom guy inside you and let him come out to play. And a couple of these boys, men, adult fucking men, might be able to help you do that. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Helix Sleep, makers of your next mattress. I love mine and you will love yours. Here's how it works. Here's how you get yours. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. We, me and Terry, we took the Helix quiz and ended up with a midnight luxe mattress because we wanted a medium firmness because we thrash around at night, sometimes even when we're asleep. And it really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever owned. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But you know what? You are going to love your new Helix mattress. Helix even has financing options and a flexible payment plan, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you and get those big discounts by going to helixsleep.com slash savage. That's helixsleep.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a 32-year-old gay male from the Seattle area. I am calling in because I need a little bit of guidance on how to have a discussion with my partner. So we've been dating officially for three months. We've been together for about seven months. So my issue is, he's a top, I tend to bottom. I also really enjoy oral as well. He doesn't like oral at all. He doesn't like getting head. He doesn't like giving head. And that's become a non-negotiable for me that I don't think that I was super aware of prior to this relationship. But, I mean, I wouldn't cheat on them. I think that if it got to the point where I wasn't getting what I wanted that much, then I would leave this relationship but I do want to work on it. I have had discussions with them about it and let them know like what I expect and what I want. And the most that I've gotten is like, I mean, after like I bought them for them, they already had their clothes back on and I was already getting dressed too. And they're like, Oh, did you want to get off? And I kind of felt like a burden at that point. And so I'm wondering if you have any other ways that I can articulate this to them because I made sure that they knew that they're doing a really good job at what we already like doing, right? But that I just like other types of like interactions as well. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting them down in that way, but also demanding what I wanted. And so I think that got through, but not enough to where it's just natural because it was almost awkward. And we are never awkward. We get along really, really well. The other part about that too is that like he will be on the phone with his friends and like say, oh, I love eating ass. Like, oh, or like, um, he'll be, oh, we have to go because I'm about to eat some ass. Bye. And then it just like, it's like, oh, do you want to go get Popeyes or something? And I'm like, what? I mean, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. It's not like super my jam either, but like I appreciate when it happens. And if you're into it, then like that makes me into it too. So I'm trying to approach this in a way where I'm getting giving the benefit of the doubt 
but also not being too weak. I don't know. I just think that maybe you would have a better way to articulate this. And if that is just ditch the motherfucker already, then I might take your advice, but I really don't want to because I really like this guy. So you describe oral sex, wanting to give it, wanting to get it as a non-negotiable for you. And yet what you're asking me for is how to negotiate with your boyfriend, not around giving or getting oral, but around getting anything out of him, Uh, getting any reciprocal sexual pleasure, any indication from him at all that he's the least bit concerned with your pleasure. Yeah. I'm sorry. Fucking somebody coming in them and getting dressed and then turning to them and saying, Oh wait, did you want to get off too? That's, that should be the end right there. That's a DTMFA moment. That's when you really see who someone is sexually. And if this is who he is three months in and, Often it's early in a relationship that people are on their best behavior. It's early in a relationship that even someone who doesn't give a shit about other people's sexual pleasure might go out of their way to try to fool that person into thinking they're the kind of person who gives a shit about their partner's sexual pleasure so that you'll continue to date them and hang out with them long enough that walking away from them, you know, in a year or two years is harder to do. And that he's doing that to you at six months or at three months. And this is, presumably even going on the entire time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't in good conscience tell you to do anything but dump this motherfucker. (sighs) But I will answer your question. How do you have this conversation with him? Well, you have the conversation in such a way where the DTMFA is on the table. You have an ultimatum conversation with him where you're like, I've read about guys like you. You might want to read Peggy Ornstein's Girls and Sex. Guys like your boyfriend are kind of like a young straight guy way to behave where your partner is there to get fucked and for you to dump a load in, but getting them off not only isn't your job, but it's not even something that has occurred to you. That's kind of a young straight boy thing. That's why there's an orgasm gap uh, in a lot of straight relationships and your kind of, I really do think you should read Girls and Sex by Peggy Ornstein, your kind of wringing your hands like a lot of young straight girls might, where you're afraid to advocate for your own sexual pleasure. Because what? Because this guy who doesn't give a shit about whether you get off or not, who won't suck your dick or eat your ass or let you suck his dick, that this guy might leave you? Is that what you're afraid of? You should be running toward, you should be running to the door. But, you know, you don't want the DTMFA advice. I'm going to take that off the table. Would you go to him and say, look, sex can't keep happening like this, where it's just about you, your dick, my ass, your pleasure, and I'm not getting off. And yeah, so when we have sex, I have to come too. And, you know, a lot of people who really enjoy bottoming will stroke themselves while they bottom. A lot of guys who really enjoy bottoming will masturbate while they're being you know, fucked and time their climax for when their partner climaxes are pretty close. Uh, if you prefer a, you know, look, ma, no hands orgasm provided to you, look, ma, none of your hands orgasm provided to you by your partner, you're going to have to make that clear to him. But that, God, I'm sorry that he comes and the fact that you have not ejaculated during this sex session with him doesn't register for him as a problem until he's dressed. Yeah, he knows it was a problem. The getting dressed and waiting till you were getting dressed, that was his way of making, uh, getting you off a chore of disincentivizing you saying in that moment, yeah, I would like to get off because that would have meant uh, him having to get undressed again. You know, he's not going to do anything with his mouth. He's going to do something with his hands and you having to get undressed again. What a pain in the ass. I'm ready for pizza. Let's go eat. Yeah, no. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's getting away with it because he has correctly guessed that you will put up with this shit. Conversation you're going to have with him, I will not put up with this shit anymore. A one strike you're out policy for you going forward if you give him another chance. If you have that conversation, then you keep fucking this guy. If slash when, and it's when not if he does this again, and when is probably going to be the very next time you have sex with him, will you please then take the advice I wanted to give you at the top of this answer and dump that motherfucker already. 
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your presence and growing your business or creative project online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell stuff. Now, I have a confession to make. I'm in a band, and we use Squarespace for our website. It's true. And I'm really glad we do, because building and maintaining it is easy. I'm no graphic designer. Our baritone player isn't a tech wizard. And the trumpet player is hopeless. But together, we got her done. I love that you can collaborate easily. If I want to go in and update shows we're having, it's no problem. I can add video and audio to the site whenever I want, and any of the bandmates can hop in and do the same. Squarespace also makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and expertise in a way that fits their unique style. With a feature they call Member Areas, you can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. They also offer ways to set up email campaigns and connect with social media. Squarespace is like your smart business partner. They think of everything. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hi, Dan and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I'm a 34-year-old woman living on the East Coast. About a year ago, I ended things with a person that I had been dating for about seven months. We started out really great, and then sort of as the relationship progressed, I started to notice some behavior on his part that just kind of threw up some red flags for me. In particular, he really had a hard time kind of taking responsibility or accountability for kind of crummy, disrespectful behavior. Things became high conflict when they didn't have to be, or he'd get really defensive. And, you know, when I asked him about this, he would say something along the lines of, well, you know, I just have a lot of baggage, you know. He would blame a lot of things on this particular ex that he had. By his account, they had a really high conflict, tumultuous, kind of on-again, off-again relationship. And he seemed really happy to not be dating her anymore. But like I said, anytime he had sort of a knee-jerk, angry response, he sort of related it back to this person. Okay, flash forward several months after we break up with him, I started dating someone else. I was kind of moving on with my life and, you know, I did what people do and I skimmed his social media um, with the knowledge that he likely was also dating someone else and I was totally fine with that at that point. What I didn't anticipate was finding out that he had gotten back with his quote-unquote crazy ex. This is the person that he blamed basically for the blowout fight that ended our relationship. As you can imagine, I was pretty surprised to see that. And I am pretty fucking hurt, honestly. I can't help but thinking about, you know, were they were they fucking around beforehand? Was there something that I didn't know about going on while we were still a couple? I understand I'm never going to know the answer to these questions, but I literally cannot stop thinking about this. I ruminate on this for hours and... Um, I need help <laughs> getting over this. I need to get this man out of my head. Let's accept the premise of your worst case scenario that while you were dating this jerk, he was fucking around with his ex, not just still in contact with his ex, a woman he told you was crazy, but fucking her. All right. Okay. If that inspired him to, you know, engineer the conflict that led to the end of your relationship with this high conflict, really defensive, kind of angry guy who obviously clearly transparently engages in a form of projection. I'm sure he's now telling his ex that he is back with who he told you was crazy. I'm sure he's now telling that woman that you were crazy. If Fucking that woman behind your back got him out of your life and out of your bed. All right. Even if that's the worst case scenario, we don't know if that actually happened. But if that did happen, good. You should be grateful. Whatever greased the skids to get this guy out of your bed, out of your apartment, out of your life, out of your pussy was in the end a good thing for you. You might want to go get a full STI workup if you're concerned that he was fucking this woman and fucking you at the same time and you guys weren't using protection because he told you that you were exclusive. Other than that, this is a good 
example of why you shouldn't skim your ex's social media. You might find something that sticks in your craw and then sticks in your head. But it's too late for that. It's too late to avoid his social media. I just think you have to adjust how you look at it. You need to move the frame a bit here. And yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good that he's not with you anymore. If this woman that he complained to you bitterly about and said was crazy is as shitty as he told you she is, well, then I guess they deserve each other because he sounds like a pretty shitty person too. But my hunch is that he's the common shitty ass crazy denominator in all of these shitty high conflict relationships with crazy bitches, which I'm sure how he talks about you and his ex that he got back together with and every other woman he's ever dated with all of his friends. Ugh. And that sucks. It sucks. And maybe that's part of what is causing you to turn this over and over in your head. It's just knowing he's out there, or maybe I'm putting this in your head and it's going to make the ruminations worse. Knowing he's out there talking about you the way he talked about his ex. The takeaway here for you, and I think what other people can learn from your example, is to run from people who bitch and bitch and bitch to you about how awful their ex was. Even if it's true that their ex was awful, it's something that a person should have the emotional intelligence to know not to do with a new partner. And it doesn't excuse bad behavior in a new relationship if your ex was terrible. You got to do the work to get yourself in good working order before you get into your next relationship. Having been in a shitty relationship with a shitty person prior to your current relationship is not a get out of the doghouse free card for being a fucking asshole. It's not an excuse. And that's what you have to know going forward. You know, if, if you're with somebody and they're bitching endlessly about your ex, you're highly likely to be the next ex that they bitch endlessly about. And it's probably their problem. If you're with somebody for a year or two or, you know, six months and they gradually open up to you and share with you that their previous relationship wasn't a happy one and that they'd gotten into a relationship with a toxic person. And yes, there are toxic people out there who get into relationships with good and decent and functional people. I would point to you as an example. I assume a good and decent and functional person who got into a relationship with a toxic person. That is a thing that can happen. But yeah, you don't talk about those relationships and the terms and, and the ways he talked about his ex. Yeah, no, no, this is a red flag. Oh, my ex is a fucking crazy bitch. My ex is so crazy. It was so awful. That's why I'm treating you poorly because of my ex, that fucking bitch. Yeah, no, no, that is a red flag. It's one of the reddest and biggest red flags out there. It is a May Day parade, Soviet style, 1984, full of red flags. Hey Dan and the tech savvy at risk youth, 38 year old West Coast male here. Uh, so I've come to realize that the more I ejaculate, the better my orgasms feel. I stay hydrated, I eat healthy, I'm in great shape. But I've heard all of these kind of old wives tales that you can eat, you know, a head of celery or you can eat some combination of supplements or there's even some supplements now that, you know, claim to increase semen volume. Is any of this real besides staying hydrated, avoiding masturbating, and just being healthy? Is there any way to increase your semen volume? Nope. The only way to increase the volume of your semen is to wait a little bit longer between ejaculations. You know, if you wait four or five days, if you're not masturbating every day, if you're not masturbating three times a day, you'll blow a bigger load. But supplements, herbal pills, old wives' tales, other than staying hydrated and being in uh, you know, good general health, you're, there's nothing you can do. The amount of semen that you're pumping out is the amount of semen that you're pumping out. And as you get older, the volume of your ejaculate is going to fall a bit. Here's a trick, though, that you can play on yourself. I'm sure one of the things that makes your orgasms better is the visual cue you get when you see yourself blow a massive load that that reinforces your own, you know, the, the conclusion you're making that, oh, that was a good orgasm. That was an intense orgasm. I really felt that one because you're watching all of that and you're more satisfied with that orgasm because of the visual, because of the visuals. So here's what you do. Don't watch, just close your eyes, put on a blindfold, have a wank and concentrate on the orgasmic uh, contractions, the sensations. 
even if all your glands and your nuts are producing as much ejaculate as they once did in your prostate, you're going to still have, you know, if you treat yourself to a good orgasm with a nice ramping up and enjoy those uh, plateaus on your way to the point of orgasmic inevitability, you will have the same basic number of orgasmic contractions. You will have, have the same feeling and then make an assessment of how that orgasm felt before you open your eyes or take off that blindfold and look at the puddle of cum on your stomach. And it may surprise you that without those visual cues, you are enjoying, you are perceiving those orgasms, even where you may be producing less ejaculate, as every bit as pleasurable as those orgasms when you produce more ejaculate. Hi, Dan and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I'm a mid-30s cisgender gay guy living on the West Coast, and I wanted to get your opinion on a tweet I saw a few weeks ago. I can't find the tweet at the moment, so I'm relying on my memory here. The tweet was from a cisgendered white gay guy who's a prominent sex-slash-kink-focused YouTuber living in the Bay Area, and it was posted when proof of vaccination and showing an ID to match was enforced at businesses. He was complaining that the staff called out his legal name, the one displayed on his ID, to the room. I think it was for his drink order. He was upset and slash pissed off that they had used his name because he no longer identifies with it and he goes by his nickname slash YouTube handle. The part that got my attention was that he used the term deadnaming to describe what the staff had done. I had never seen deadnaming used for a cisgendered person before and thought it was used exclusively for trans people experiencing this type of situation. In follow-up tweets, he clarified that he would want staff to just avoid using people's names altogether without permission for everyone's benefit. But he did still emphasize how upset he was that it had happened to him personally. So Dan, uh, what are your thoughts on the use of dead naming for cis people in a situation like this? Personally, I think he was going overboard for something that was done without any malice and could reasonably be expected to happen in a venue like that. I admit I don't know everything about his life, but if it was something he felt this strongly about, wouldn't it make sense to change his name legally? It would certainly be a lot easier than the struggle trans people face trying to change their gender on their ID. Words don't mean anything anymore. Uh, I think the example you cite of someone being upset that a business called out to deliver their drinks to them, the name that was on their ID, yeah, doesn't seem like a thing that you'd get upset about, but everybody's kind of cracking under the weight of the pandemic. And sometimes even I've gotten upset about things that when I looked back at them a day or two later seemed pretty trivial. That said, I wouldn't use the word or the term deadnaming for the reasons that you unpack in your call. Deadnaming is a term that uh, is used in the trans community to describe using someone's birth name, the name on their birth certificate, the name they do not use anymore or identify with anymore. And it's usually done uh, maliciously. It's painful. It's a parent who refuses to acknowledge uh, your new name, your, your actual gender identity, and they're throwing around your old name, your dead name, to communicate their disapproval or their disbelief or its coworkers doing it or entertainers. If it's a prominent trans person doing it, you'll sometimes see Caitlyn Jenner referred to by her dead name and fuck Caitlyn Jenner. She's an odious piece of shit as some people, you know, some of all people are odious pieces of shit. She is an odious piece of shit. Shouldn't throw her dead name around. Shouldn't miss gender her. I've also seen Elliot Page uh, get tagged with their dead name. Not a nice thing to do. And certainly to equate someone in a cafe or a bar calling out the name on your ID that you provided to them with the kind of malice of a, you know, a parent who disapproves of their child's gender identity or disapproved of their child for transitioning to their actual gender identity. I don't think those things are of equal weight and you shouldn't use dead naming to describe that. That said, you know, we live in an era where words don't mean anything anymore. And right now we're having a moral panic and the right wing is describing all out gay people everywhere 
as groomers, being out and gay where children might hear, you know, might know that you are a gay person is to somehow groom those children. Grooming now, you know, used to refer to pedophiles and child molesters insinuating themselves into the lives of children that they wish to prey upon, not just earning the child's trust, but often earning the parent's trust. And it was grooming, not just the kid, but the family to abuse that child and get away with that abuse. And yeah, go look at Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter feed right now. We are living in an era where the worst people are using the worst words in the worst ways to harm queer people, trans people, gay people. And yeah, so while I find what you witnessed what that person did, I hope they would think better of it. I hope they would uh, recognize that to equate their experience with the trans experience around dead naming and, and then using that term to describe what happened to them, a little disrespectful, maybe on the edge, but yeah, not as disrespectful as this grooming shit that's going on or groomer shit. Okay. Groomer. Hello, groomer shit that's going on right now. And yeah, rather than queer people policing each other, attacking each other, I'm not saying you're policing or attacking uh, the person you saw, you know, who's in the cafe or the bar who you described as his dead naming uh, in their Twitter feed. I'm not saying you're attacking them. You're just thinking about what they did. But yeah, uh, we may need to link arms and unite and fight the right right now and do a little less policing of each other. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Suleiman O'Cheney tweets, and I'm sorry, Suleiman, if I butchered your name there. It only took four years, but I finally sprung for the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast, joining my first sack lunch this week. Can't wait. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for becoming a Magnum sub, Suleiman. Your first sack lunch, though, will be May 5th. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, Suleiman, please enjoy the Savage Love archives and all the new bonus sex and politics conversations we're creating just for our Magnum subs. August 12th tweets. Another way to strictly enforce those don't say gay laws would be to require gender neutral bathrooms in all schools. How do school workers indicate what bathroom should be used without presenting or educating about gender identity? That's a really good point, August. Wished I'd thought of that. No more little boys' rooms, no more little girls' rooms, only little persons' rooms for everybody. And Kat Stark tweets, Ah, is a great response to an unsolicited dick pic, but this pic, which Kat enclosed, is my go-to. What that pic is is a sliced-up eggplant and the very sharp knife cat used to slice it up. And yeah, that pick will put most guys off, but not all guys as any regular listener of my podcast would know. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, please be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast and a big thank you to everyone who posted your social media this week about the show. And now listener response calls. Hey Dan, this is a response to the caller in episode 807 who lives in the Northwest and whose husband moved down to Southern California. He was wondering about whether or not to sell his house because it was full of memories. And Dan mentioned that it was a seller's market. And I think there's a great in-between. Maybe it's time for a remodel. That could be something as big as new landscaping or opening up a kitchen, or it could be something as small as just repainting the rooms might help. But either way, all the all the husband's things need to go in a box in the garage, and maybe a fresh coat of paint will do the trick. Plus, that'll definitely help the property value. Hi, Dan, Nancy, Tech Savvy Youth, and everyone. This community is great. Dan, I wanted to comment on episode 807, the woman who had caught her partner washing his own sheets with the fingerprints on the mirror. I think you were great to say, dump that motherfucker already. But one major thing was missed because I think she really needs to look at the fact that this man was gaslighting her, clear gaslighting. And I know that term is overused these days, but in this case, it is the definition of gaslighting where he called you crazy when you were actually pointing out the truth. And I imagine he has been doing this in other ways. And then your natural response, because I imagine that you are empathic in some way or empathetic, is that you wanted to find out about monogamy and see if there was something wrong with you, which is the mechanism of gaslighting. 
And there's nothing wrong with the fact that you look at yourself. It is a healthy thing to look at yourself and see what am I doing wrong here? Where can I be better? Just use it on the right partner. And this guy, dump the motherfucker already. He's not the one to do that for. Hi, Mr. Savage. I am one of those crazy conservative moms and now regret it. I raised my kid to be in the church. I was a church leader. And now they came out of trance and they're amazing. I now feel so bad because I raised them from being a what I thought little girl, everything. And you know what? Like, I believe God's bigger than all of us. And I do believe he loves all of us no matter what. The sad part is I was so strict and for so many years. And the most devastating part was that because of my beliefs, they ended up in a mental hospital. I love them and try to just tell them it doesn't even matter if you're a boy, a girl, undefined. I don't care. I love you and I know God loves you. And unfortunately, I do live in Florida. And it's so hard because we're fighting so hard for these laws to change. Again, from a you know, what used to be a crazy conservative mom to now just realizing the truth and love and God and love conquers all without any boundaries. And to all those boys, girls, and undefined, like you're perfect just the way you are. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. Miami, Toronto, Bellingham, and Bend, the Hump Film Festival, will be playing in theaters in your cities soon. To find out when my dirty little film festival is coming to a theater near you or to stream Hump in the comfort and safety of your living room, go to humpfilmfest.com. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Anna Sale on Twitter at Anna Sale. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Artunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week on an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.